Hi, I'm Maggie. Hi, I'm Grace, and this is A Very Bookish Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to A Very Bookish Podcast. Today's episode is episode 33, and we're going to be talking about the book People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. We literally decided this last week to read this book. We both sped through this so fast. Grace, I think this is the fastest you've ever read a book this summer. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, this summer. Yeah, it's definitely the fastest. And matter of fact, I started reading this book 24 hours ago. Like, I don't, I don't remember the last time you finished a book so fast. Yeah. I think the last time I finished a book this fast was Get a Life, Chloe Brown. That's yeah. I think it's, you really are, you really love contemporary romance. I, and that's crazy to me because before I was like, "Hmm, contemporary romance, not me. And I think the first contemporary romance that I picked up, which was this year, was, um, I want to say it was The the Deal by L. Kennedy. Yeah, I I don't know. That's not a really contemporary romance, though. It's It's like a sports it's sports it's, contemporary romance. Yes, but it's more of like a smuttier romance because that's it does, true. That's true. It's, it's a smutty romance versus like, it's a romance book where this is like a contemporary romance where like it reads like fiction, but it's a romance book. That's but, true. So that's, if we're going to go into that way, then I think the first one that I read has to be uh, Get, Get Alive. Alive. Yeah. Because, because literally I... I read that book and two, the audiobooks are like my go-to. If you know me, you know that I love audiobooks. And the both narrators for this audiobook and for Get a Life, Chloe Brown were so good that it just made like the whole reading experience a lot yeah. better. And I read it with the audiobook too and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the audiobook like really helps with it. And I don't know what it, I think... The reason I like contemporary romances is because it's a lot more relational and there's a lot more like actual talking and actually understanding each other. Whereas in fantasy, we don't get that much. We're getting more plot and more action and world building. I would even say there's sometimes more tension because it focuses a lot more on the relationship or lack thereof. Like in this book, you can tell the amount of like, yes, it's not like the heartthrob enemies to lovers tension, but there is tension in this book where it's like, you can tell they love each other. Okay, full spoilers. Full spoilers yeah, for this book. Full spoilers ahead. As yes. you guys know, every time we end up doing a book related um, episode, it's a full spoiler it will be episode. full of spoilers. Sorry about this. But once you do end up reading it, if you haven't read it already, make sure you guys come back to this episode because we do have a little special surprise for you at the end. Yeah, so I would say that this book had a lot of tension because as as you read, um, those of who are probably listening, you probably read the book, it goes like time jumps between uh, verse summers this summer versus like previous summers. And you can see that they clearly are in love with each other, like clearly point blank in love with each other. And there's tension in that in the sense that Yes, it's not like that, oh my gosh, I hate you tension. It's that tension of like, I don't want to ruin this kind of tension, but it's there because I I want more, but I'm scared you don't want more. So there's this like tension where it's like, I don't know if I, it, I I'm too scared to put myself out there because I don't want to lose something tension. It's literally like, I know that we would be amazing, 
but how long would we we be amazing and it's like that's the thing that like holds a lot of people back from jumping forward you know and so it's something that everybody relates to like I, I I kept I keep thinking back in this book and I'm just like it hit home on so many different levels my only thing my only negative about this book is that there was not a dual POV that's my only thing because okay. I swear I swear if we had if we had Alex's point of view, I mean, I would be so much more frustrated with the two of them. Cause it's like, you both want it. You both want it. So I want the one scene. Okay. I know we're going to, we're going to get into the books later, but the one scene that I would have loved to see Alex's POV is the one where he skips on his trip to Norway and stays with her in the apartment and she snuggles up to him and she tells him she loves him. And then he's like, that's just the fever talking. I would have loved to seen that from his point of view. I think that's like the one scene where like if Emily Henry did like a bonus chapter, like I love those kind of bonus chapters where it's not like the full book is dual POV, but like they add a chapter at the end of like a POV from the other character's perspective and you get more insight into it. I think that would have been really cool for this book. Oh my gosh. Cause I'm just saying if I were inside Alex's head, my gosh, I would love him so much more. Like, especially since Alex is, like, the classic nerd. Like, he's the classic reader. Like, even though he's a man, he's a classic reader. And it's so cute. Like, reading at a bar. Literally us. Literally. Literally. Literally literally us. Yeah. If anyone's listening, she'll know. I I literally say literally because she was saying that when I was in. But literally, it is us. Like. It It is. Because, like. And and the thing about him is just like, you know, that he feels so much. He feels and loves and cares so deeply, mm-hmm. but he doesn't show it because like, you know, of how he had to grow up and, you know, we'll get into that later on, but he had to like lock in everything. So it was just, that was my only thing. Everything else, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. 10 so- out of 10. Let's get started into this book. Let's start with the epilogue, wait, no, prologue, which is five years, five years ago. So five summers ago. And okay, that's when we see Alex. And when I first, when we were first introduced, we didn't know that they liked, we didn't know that they were friends or anything. And it honestly was kind of like cringy. It was so cringy. And you're just like, is this really how she's flirting? And then you find out, oh no, they know each other and she's teasing him. But it's like so cute that like she she notices so many little things about him. Like she and that's how you know she's in love with him. And this is like, you know, she that's how the book opens up is that she comes out of the bathroom, she walks into the bar and she spots him. And that is just like you don't know where this is going to go, right? And me because I'm stupid. I did not know that it was, the story was going to be about her and Alex being friends. I literally thought it was going to, I was confusing it with so many other book, um, summer vacation books that I was just like, oh, it's going to be one of those where, you know, the girl goes on vacation through some type of- Did you read the synopsis? 
No, I didn't. Okay, that's see, I never read the synopsis, but I knew a little bit. I knew that it was her and her friend who went on vacation. No, I didn't know. And like, I thought she met this person who she knew from before, but but through the vacation, that's where they got to know each other. I thought it was one of those. And so I'm reading this book and like, it's not until later on that I'm, I'm like, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably have seen this update where I am going off like, I love them both so much and they are just so funny and good together. And I'm just like, I hope that it's like a best friends to lovers kind of story or college friends to lovers. And then as I'm saying that I flip over to the back of the book and it says two best friends and 10 summer trips, one last chance to fall in love. And I'm just like, well, I'm stupid. I didn't know. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say something. And I think friends to lovers is my kind of like favorite trope right now with the summer reading. So like it's friends to lovers and then like bully to lover. I think those are my two top right now for contemporary romance. It's definitely the friends to lovers. And then for like my smuttier romance, Penelope Douglas kind of stuff. It's like that bully rivalry relationship. But I was literally talking with a friend today and I was like, a friends to lovers is like the ultimate relationship goal. Cause I was literally saying it is so hard. Cause like I've been trying to date update on the last from last episode on book, book store boy did not work out. I didn't feel that like connection. And like, I was like, that's why I need a guy to already be my friend. And then we fall in love because I don't have to like prove that, Oh, Hey, I'm worth it to be in a relationship. Like you, we already know everything about each other and that's like why we love each other. So yeah. and, and that's, that's definitely why this book I think spoke to me is cause I have, I've, I've been in a lot of situations like this. <laughs> Don't be making that face to me, Maggie. I've had a lot of, of, of um, most of my relationships or flings we'll call them have Sneaky been friends. <laughs> they've been friends first and like you know that's how I'm more comfortable as like bridging that gap between you know taking that next step forward and oftentimes it's like it's kind of like this thing of like you know you pass that threshold of not being awkward and being comfortable around each other and you know flirting and joking and whatever and being friends that they're in that place, we'll call it friend island. They're in that place. You could easily take a boat right over to like Lover's Cove or, you know, whatever. I'm sticking with this little Beach story. Thing. Yeah. And, but it's like, once you stay long enough on like friend's island or whatever, you get like upgraded to best friend, you know, and once you're at best friends, it's so hard to like jump into something else. Cause it's just like, we, we know too much about each other or we're just so comfortable here in this space between us. Yeah. And I'm going to wait to say what I'm going to say until later okay um, when it comes up in the story um so we kind of so going through it we kind of see that like al um poppy and alex poppy needs to come up with a location to go to for work um she can't have any idea she doesn't have any idea and then she thinks and then spontaneously she misses alex and she talks about that 
um and she messages him and they go he's going to palm springs um and she pitches that to her her boss and her boss says no um you're going to wherever the other santorini um and you see poppy's like well i'm gonna go on vacation and she goes on vacation and she and alex thinks that r and r the company she works for is paying for it oh yeah okay real quick pause let's 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 settle on like her feelings at work right that professional burnout right yeah so uh i'm gonna be using um the reader's guide for the people we meet on vacation if you do have the paperback i think it's in the ebook too if you go to the end of the book there's a reader's guide there that emily henry put in with a couple of discussion points so we're going to be using some of those in our talk today and so one of the questions I want to go through since we're kind of going through this book chronologically is um, Poppy is going through professional burnout. Have you ever experienced that kind of fatigue and how did you get through it professionally? I would say I kind of feel that right now at work. Like yeah. I'm not, it's not professional work. It's Barnes and Noble, but I, I feel that we're like, you're like very excited at the beginning and it goes good for a while And then you just hit a standstill where like going to work feels like a chore and it feels, and you're like, oh, I want something other like else to do. Like I used to be very excited to shelve YA and like to do shelving and stuff and organize sections. And now I, I like hate it. And I used to hate standing up at the cash register, but now I'm like, this is the only thing that will get me through the day is standing here and waiting to scan people's stuff. Um, so I'm kind of experiencing that now and I work at a minimum wage job in a Barnes and Noble. Um, and like what I'm doing now to like help with that is I am, I got free reign to do the book talk account for our social media for the store and to do the book talk table and to do like a spicy ladder. It's like a romance ladder. So that's what I'm doing to kind of get my creativity into my job back is what I'm doing. Yeah, that's good. And that's kind of often what you need to do is that you just need to upgrade what you're doing in that position. Yeah. Um, me? <clears throat> well, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, you know that I used to be, I used to work at a school. And I've kind of gone over how I started working there. So I started working there um, right out of high school. My mom actually started working there first um, as a PE coach. And I got right out of high school because I had, when I would have days off at school, I would come and help out my mom. And so people on campus knew me and the director knew me. And so when it was time for me to look for a job, she offered one part-time just while I was going to school, um, just a a few hours here and there. And I enjoyed it, you know, and it was just like, you know, campus aid kind of thing, monitoring students. And one day I was, I took an art class and I remember liking art from back in like, high school and like I went to a performing arts um, elementary school so I had some art background and so I took an art class just just fill out requirements and I was doing work homework in the teacher's lounge and the director for this after school program was walking by and she saw and she was just like hey like why don't you 
become our art teacher, you know, for the program. And I was like, oh, I'm not so sure about it this year, whatever. Let it go. The next year, I decided I wanted to pick up some more extra hours. So I did join and did, and I did it. So I'm working there. I started off like a campus aide, then I became like an art um, person. And then I started feeling that feeling of like, this isn't what I planned to do. I wanted to go to school for physical therapy. I wanted to do that. And it just wasn't working out in school or at work. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was just like, you know, I need to leave this place, this job. That didn't happen. Um, but we did that year, someone came on to become a theater teacher and we put on a play production and they asked me to start helping out with set designs. And then I realized, wow, hold on, I'm pretty good at this. And that's where I started figuring out that I like doing art and I like becoming a graphic designer. And that's when I changed things at school and started changing things at work. So then I became a stage director and um, um, co-directing a play. And then I became, I started doing um, specialized art programs at work and things like that. So like you said, like, you know, you, you stick with your position, but then you end up changing it and like reshaping it to something that you wanted to do. And now that I'm not there anymore, I feel that same thing of like, what's gonna make me happy? Like, that's the main thing is like, cause like, um, Poppy, she's just like, what is it that makes me happy? Cause Rachel's like probing her, you need to figure out what that is. And for like the past two years, I haven't known what that is. What is it that makes you happy? And that's like a deep question. Cause like, you can't just be like, oh, what makes you happy? And you're just like, coffee makes me happy. Cause that's, that makes you, that makes you feel content for like an hour, but that's not what really makes you happy. And trying to figure that process out of like your true self is so hard. Like you are, you are often hiding yourself from everybody in the world. Like you can be a sister, you can be a daughter, you can be a friend. And that's somebody that you are to everyone else, but who you are for yourself, that's completely different. And for a lot of people figuring that out is so hard because they don't know. They don't know who they are without other people around them. Yeah. And it sucks a little bit, but you know, I mean, I wish we all could get paid vacations to go off and figure ourselves out because, man, we're the places I would go. But yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out somehow. Sorry, I went off track. Anyways, back to the book. Yeah. Um, So we see she's in this like stagnant, like she's she's done the traveling and she this is where she's at at life where she's like, I don't, she's, she's not, she's content. She's not happy. And she notices this when she's thinking back about Alex and she's thinking about like the first time they met and stuff. And they're like, 
meeting is such a class like college meeting where it's so awkward and you're kind of just there and you're just forced together that's how I met my friends in college I like we like we're just like forced well actually I bothered them until we all became friends and we like we created a little friend group with like movie nights and stuff but like it's that awkward like hey hey where are you from I'm from here oh cool what what's your degree this like oh cool um, yeah okay. do you have this teacher no oh okay like it's that awkward conversation and we see that between alex and poppy and you they like immediately don't vibe they're like completely polar opposites and like you know they that first encounter is like something so weird for them but look, there, here's another question. Yeah, I knew that was a question. <laughs> when they first meet, Alex and Poppy are immediately put off by each other. Have you ever met a friend after a bad impression? And you stuck with them? Have you? I have. You tell your story and then I'll think of mine. You <laughs> think of yours? So in high school, um, my first year, I uh, probably have told the story kind of. Um, in high school, I was homeschooled for middle school. And so when I went to high school, I thought high school was going to be like high school musical because I had no idea what it was going to be like. Well, not with the singing. And I know everything. what you mean. I know what you mean. But the dynamics, you know, of like, you know, the different groups and, you know, finding your place. And that's how it used to be back then. Nowadays, high school is not really like that. You can just flow wherever. But at the time, it, it I didn't know. So I made my first friends because they mentioned volleyball and I tried out with them and it turns out they were juniors um, and seniors. Oh, yeah. And so I hung out with them. And then the second semester, that's when I started hanging around with friends my age and currently my best friend, sorry, Maggie, you are my best friend too. This but is a sister? No, it's not the sister. So I have four best friends. I have my sister, you, um, my best friend, and then my other best friend. Okay. 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 Do they know about me? Yeah, they know about you. Oh, they do? Yeah. My sister, probably not. My sister only oh, Okay. I see how this I see how I see how this is. I see how no. this is. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. You can't backtrack. You can't take it back. I see how this is. You have that ruined the story. Uh, let me clarify real quick. Uh, my sister and I hardly talk unless we are like, unless I butt dial her, which I do often. But it's usually like, did you butt dial me? And I was just like, yeah, sorry, my bad. And then we hang up and that's it. Me and her don't really talk because, you know, she's a mom and, you know, she's dealing with her, her, her thing. So it's kind of like we're friends and it's just like, a, hey, what are you up to? Oh, OK, cool. And then that's it. So I don't she doesn't even know about everything else. So, OK, chill, chill, chill. Okay. But my other ones who I talk to, they know. OK, they might be listening now. Diana, if you hear this, I love you. OK, so <laughs> um. So my best friend, uh, who is the only friend that I talked to out of high school now, when we first met, she literally did not like me. 
she thought I was a total bitch. And which is kind of hard to believe because I'm nice. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like back when we first met and I'm like yeah you were pretty nice like yeah. that's what I was that's why I was like trying I was concentrating I wasn't like mm, no you weren't nice no, I was like yeah I don't know okay so then she basically like just tried to keep her distance from me but then it just so happens that I was known by a lot of people in school so then we ended up becoming friends simply because we had a class together and then it turns out we had four other classes together and we became friends and we had a whole group and she is the only person that I see a matter matter of fact I am the godmother to her son and probably her son that's coming on the way too but yeah had we stuck i don't know the exact story of how we met but yeah and then another quick story on, on the told it on the podcast probably but the, the other one that was like a weird encounter not friend boyfriend the first time i met my boyfriend and from high school is like i finished some questionnaire that the teacher gave us on the first day and i remember this boy sitting next to me with like a beanie and like hunched over writing his answers and kind of bouncy jittery super excited kind of way and i'm sitting back kind of like looking at him side eye like okay whatever i'm already mad because i didn't find the cutest boy in the room who was ultimately going to be my troy bolton so i was kind of let down and then i look at him and then like he looks up at me and he goes like hey and i was like hi and i like turn away flash forward a year and a half I think later we talked about this yeah he was he's my awkward encounter if we can count it that way I don't know if I had I think okay so if I think back to my junior year of high school I was I was four years ago oh, fuck. what was, <laughs> but no I think that was five years ago now four five years ago that was okay shut up you're old <laughs> I'm kidding. What was that? Ten years ago for you? Wait, <laughs> no, <laughs> that was eight years ago. You're pretty close, though. <laughs> um, back to my story. Thank it's you. that like awkward. Like we were sitting together, like personal finance. We were like next to each other, and it's that awkward thing where you don't even remember how you became friends. You just become friends and you're like yeah. start talking with them and stuff and then y'all like exchange phone numbers for like group assignments and stuff and then y'all become friends and that was that friendship really broke my heart when we stopped being friends yeah those are the people that you kind of like you weren't even worth it but then you were and then you weren't like, yeah yeah it, it's 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 the friendship that like we broke up and we didn't talk for like a good solid year to year and a half. And then he messaged, he called me. He, d he does a weird thing where like, he'll call me, but if I don't answer, he'll say he like butt dialed. Or if I answer, he's like, Hey, and I'm like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a friend like that too. Yeah. I want to talk to him. I might reach out to him after this. I mean, I, I honestly thought about reaching out to my guys, Alex, actually, <laughs> his name is Alex, but he was like my best. He was like, it was a platonic, like, and I did end up liking him, but I was like, I just can't, he had a girlfriend and stuff. 
and his girlfriend at the time was just a serious bitch. They were like breaking up constant like how this Alex was. They were breaking up constantly. Like they broke up like twice in one week. And he's like, I don't know why I'm with her. And I'm like, like, are you serious? Me neither. I was like, I was like, oh my god! And he like didn't tell her. And then he told her that I tried to come on to him and told her him to break up with her. No. And he told her that. And I was no. like, I can't be friends with you anymore. You betrayed my trust. And he still has yet to this day told her that. And I'm like, that's why I don't think I can ever be like a truly a friend with you anymore is because you still haven't told her the truth. Where she, Because her and I were friends. I lost my whole friend group after that. Like, Stop him. He I dropped never, him. Yeah. Never, ever bring him back up. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, it was so toxic where I was just like heartbroken because like I did like him and stuff. But then I'm like, you use that against me to protect yourself because I knew he liked me back kind of situation. And he wouldn't be honest with his girlfriend. And I was like, so every time I would see him in the hall, I acted like he didn't exist. That's that's the type of person I am is if you fuck with me, you are done with my life. I literally I would I would see him in the hall but I I did that thing where like I look forward and act like I don't see you let me take that as a warning never to (laughs) no because I literally will drop people like if like I I will drop them and never look back watch Maggie find out that like I don't like one of her favorite books that like it and she'll just be like, oh, that's a drop right there. We're, we're ending the podcast. We're ending our Etsy shop. We are done. No. We're going to have to put out an apology video. So, guys, listen up. Um... Okay, back to the story. Back. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I did want to I did wanna I'm hit. sorry, Calvin. I'm sorry, Calvin. We have not gotten, we have not been talking about books. I'm sorry, Calvin. Okay, so, like, look, there's this part. Um, okay, that night where she's like thinking about texting him and then like she's deleting the message and then that feeling of like, should I? No, I'm th- overthinking it. Like, I swear everybody has gone through that. Yeah. That feeling of like, should I text them? Should I respond? And then like you accidentally send the message. I I, I think I've told this story before about how like um, my ex was like FaceTiming me constantly when I was like done with him and like I tried to he had just finished FaceTiming me and I tried to delete the notification on my phone and it accidentally redials and I get so flustered oh, yeah fumbling with the phone and he picks up and it, and I just hit end and I'm like that's it like I swear that feeling has like always like stuck with it because it was so funny but like that feeling of like you not waiting for them to respond waiting to see where it's gonna go and for them like we know we already know that Alex has been thinking about her every day he has not stopped loving her and one they're well they're both in love with they're yeah they're both in love with each other and like he was waiting for the moment that she would reach out to him because he he thought he fucked up right and she thought she fucked up and so like the way that they start texting is like so them that it's like where have you like it's those friendships where you pick up immediately where you left left yeah it's that friendship where you could be separated for such a long time and you could and you could message each other and get right back into like 
talking again and stuff. It's and um and like you see it throughout like the book and stuff is how 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 they both are so invested in each other. Like it's not just like the friendship, but they're both invested in the well-being of the other person. Yeah. And it's so they cute. literally care. They care so much about each other and they know each other. It's not like you know they sh- they are only friends with the one side of the person like you know friends that you meet it takes them a while for them to know every single part of you like a lot of friends they only know the side of you that you know reads books or they're the, they're you, the only side of you that they know is like the part that uh, listens to this type of music or the part of you that only likes this type of movies there's never really that person that knows everything about you and I think the reason why Alex and Poppy were able to move past that was because when they first met they were already not well they did not mesh together they did not have good expectations of where this friendship was going to go because they started on such a bad foot but throughout their friendship like we see them on the drive home when they're like first like getting to know each other like it's not very comfortable but because they're so different and they're so curious about each other it like lends that like I I am so invested in knowing more about this person and I don't know why and then they're they're best friends like you it comes out of nowhere that they realize it and it's like the most beautiful thing it's so cute and like and like the thing that like that car ride where they both are just talking to each other and like trying to find out everything about each other you knew then like that was going to be more than a friendship yeah that was going to be like, that was first date conversation yeah straight oh. up like what's your favorite color do you have any sibling that's straight up first date conversation not saying that friendships can you know start off that way but you know it just was very intimate for people who supposedly aren't gonna like each other, you know? And it was a good conversation. And then like, okay, so let's go into that airport scene. The first airport scene when they first see each other. I was so scared. I was like, how is this gonna go? I... Okay, the thing about Alex is, like, he is so invested in Poppy that I knew Alex, I think, would be okay, but I didn't know how Poppy would react. That's how my thing was. This whole book, I was focusing, I guess, maybe because it is the POV of Poppy, but I just felt like this whole book, I was kind of like, what is Poppy going to do next? Like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Because we could obviously tell that, like, Alex was in love with her. We could obviously tell, even though that was in her POV, we could obviously tell that all the little things he would do, he was still like in love with her. And it kind of broke my heart too. And she was like, she'd think about it, but then be like, no, I don't want to ruin this friendship. And I was just like, girl, I've been there and I know what you're talking about. And like, but the thing is like, I've been there and I've said something and then it totally backfired on me. So I've been on the opposite side of it where it's like, that was used against me and I was like outcasted from my friend group. So like, I get the like, the being scared of like 
putting yourself out there. But I'm like, now I'm like, I wouldn't have the friends that I have now if I wasn't, if I wasn't removed from that friend group. Yeah. And like, that just, the way that he just like, comes up to her and he just holds her like let's talk a quick second for that hug because like the way that she describes that hug is literally like girl do you not see like first of all no one gives hugs like that for whoever those hugs and she described it in like three different levels it's that hug where they're holding each other like chest to chest, rib to rib, arms almost grappling at the shoulders around the back, right? And then it like loosens and him hugging her around his waist and holding it, right? Oh, or her mid back and then like down to her waist. And I was like, you got all three levels of the perfect hug. And you over here wondering about where he's at, girl, girl what are we doing like and you can see how even when like she they go to get the car and stuff you can see how he's just he's he like yeah he's a little like he's kind of tentative and wondering what she's gonna do yeah and that's the thing is everybody's like everybody knows like he's into her and stuff but it's uh, every it's poppy it's it's literally poppy who's just so indecisive and scared and you're like poppy put your head on right and look at what he's doing but like i I get it too where it's like you question like is he just doing this because he's a friend or is he doing it because he likes me kind of thing because i've been there i've been confused and i think i've gotten mixed signals from a from a guy best friend too where it's like i don't know if you're doing this because you like me or because you think i'm a friend where it's like how do where where's the line yeah and and that's the problem like we're like guys are always saying like girls are so confusing like I'm always stuck in the friends zone kind of thing and it's because like girls when we have you know we're we're emotional creatures and we build relationships on emotion so when we have friends they are very emotional friends like we vent to them we laugh with them we do all of these things and to a guy who you know men aren't really allowed to have those emotional type of relationships so they when they see that they always think it's more so that's why they a lot of them get confused on like oh well she just put me in the friend zone you know she's flirting with me and girls are like no but you're literally just my friend like that's how friends are supposed to be and for guys it's not like that right yeah and for him for alex you know he had to be the oldest kid he had to grow up really fast he had to be basically like a mother almost to his a mother and a father to all of his family and he he may have like wanted to say that he he knew that he loved her right he knew he loved her but at the same time he was also scared he was terrified terrified because of what that would do poppy is like poppy dresses in these eccentric clothes and stuff and i can get where alex is coming from where he's like i don't know if she would even want and he literally says it he literally says that he thinks he's too boring for her and that really hit hard where it's like everybody feels like that where it's like i mean i'm not gonna lie i do have a big personality 
And, like, I do come off as, like, this eccentric, like, personality in real life. Um, my friend's always like, oh, yeah, she's the bubbly one, the one who is out there, the one who gets random tattoos and is, like, who always is able to have a good time. And, like, that is intimidating. A lot of people have said that I might not be a severely intimidating person, but I'm an intimidating person because I am outgoing, which – I hi- I'd be outgoing because I hide my introvertness. Yeah, you um, have a, a um, you have a intimidating personality. Yeah, yeah, and like that's something that kind of throws him off. That's like the forefront of like that's the first wall that he sees. Yeah. Though there's so many other reasons, you know, that he says at the end what really what it was, and they're both kind of like walking on eggshells throughout like the whole beginnings of this trip. Like, she's just like, is he okay? Are we, you know, and that worry is there. It's real, you know, you don't know how you're going to react with this person and you don't know how that person's going to react with you. Right. Um, and so we, they finally get to the hotel and the Airbnb. Yeah. The Airbnb. And let me just say, when I when I heard them go no and it was only one bed I was like thank god I was like I was like it has to be the one bed trope and I texted I texted Pauline and I went it's the one bed trope I was like oh my god it was like perfect and then we see like oh you know it's a pull-out chair bed or whatever and I'm just like first of all that's not gonna last whatever and like, then we go through all of this and okay, there's this one line that literally Alex melted me. It's on like page 107, I think. I'm gonna turn there real quick. It's on 108 where um, she's looking at him and like, you know, she's just saying like, oh, you know, um, how good he looks and like he's also buff or whatever right and then oh shit where is it oh wait I'm looking at the wrong page am I looking at the wrong page no I'm not oh okay okay and um they're talking about like oh you know how much we've changed our bodies and everything it's page 107 and she looks at him, he's all fit and physiqued and everything. And then she just like looks at her like little, little floopa belly. And she's just like, oh, I'd kill to have my body from back then. He's like, you really want your 18 year old body? She's like, yeah, I settle, I'd settle for 25. And he says, you look better than you did back then, Poppy. And I was like, this man, this man. Mm. that's so validating to hear a man say that is so validating and it's not like yeah you know you hear that from a guy and it'd be like whatever but it's the fact that he knows her and he has a like a real relationship with her and he knows like you know hearing it come from somebody who actually matters in your life it's it just feels more yeah, if you would hear it from like some random guy, it'd be like, okay, whatever, like, ill pervert, right? But then hearing it from somebody who actually matters to her, who cares about her, who 
she thinks has this incredible like physique and you know how we think of like gym guys who are very like you know um materialistic and how they like view the bodies and things like that and how they want super fit girls or whatever when usually that's not the case usually guys who like are care about their bodies and like you know go to work out and do all these things to maintain themselves usually go for girls who are bigger are bigger And who aren't really like, yeah, they would, of course they would want, you know, like a gym buddy to go with them, a gym girlfriend. But a lot of them don't care too much about how the the confidence, it's the confidence. It's not, it's not how much, it's not just how much, what her body looks like. It's if she's confident in her body. I think that is a very key difference. And it's also a thing of like, gym guys know what it's like to go through that body dysmorphia. They understand it because they are going through it constantly. Like, yeah, you know, girls, we all feel that it's something we all relate to, but guys, they guys go- have it hard. Like you have to admit, like, yes, beauty standards are hard for women and they're talked about a lot more, but guys are constantly like, oh, it's always common where it's like, oh, um, guys need to have these rock hard abs and be like over six feet and and that is and yes women get the same thing where it's like short skinny blonde like they're both both men and women like get this kind of body body dysmorphia when it comes to the media and how it's portrayed is like what is the ideal body type and i think i think a lot of people don't necessarily talk about men and men's struggles when it comes to body dysmorphia in the way they view their bodies because it, it seemed like oh it's a man's created issue when it's it's been created by both genders yeah. and that's usually how women create their own body dysmorphia as well like you know it's something that people don't realize that everybody kind of goes through some people are handling it much well better than others and some are really going through with it and you know it's not to say that you know Alex's little comment was like the most amazing thing to ever be heard but it was just like a soft tender thing that he spoke that was an absolute truth to him that is what made her feel amazing and what made me feel like oh gosh if a guy said it to me it's not really what he said but it's the way that he said it the intention with what he said it's the fact that he he wanted her to recognize that she should feel confident in her body and he wanted her to be like but you look great now so why look into the past when you're beautiful the way you are it's kind of that thing where like i see the beauty in you and i want you to i see desired you're yeah. desired right now you have always been desired and you are especially desired oh, right my now. mother says hi oh. my mother texts me she's like oh say hi to grace <laughs> you wrong said hi <laughs> um, okay uh moving on um okay <sighs> i'm going through my notes here yeah <laughs> go ahead grace is because, one of my notes. because um so i'm kind of like gonna start speeding forward um we start seeing them kind of kick off this vacation everything's going bad the ac is terrible and 
as a person who like my dad he's the type of guy who is just like he gets hot really really easily and when he gets hot he gets frustrated so like that heat I know and I live close to Palm Springs I know what that heat is like getting to because like literally like last week we were like um 100 and 203 or something like that and it was like it didn't feel bad because you know we had been getting used to it but I knew when I used to come and visit over here I was like how the hell do you guys survive and anything beyond 76 degrees where did you live I lived in Los Angeles, remember? It gets hot there though, doesn't it? Yeah, but like it doesn't reach 80s like majority of the time. Not in the summer? Yeah, in the summer, but like it's not it doesn't feel like that. It's What's usually the highest it gets in the summer in Los Angeles. Like these past couple of years? Yeah. Like 90 really I don't know why I thought it would be hotter I guess because there's the sea breeze and stuff and you're kind of next to the mountains so it kind of like circulates I guess but like I grew up in Texas if it, if it goes if it goes past if it goes into 90s it's like oh it's hot it's hot you know but usually already at like 78 degrees they're like oh it's gonna be a hot day that, that that's just uh don't yeah i know i know anyways so i know what it's southern california and you think 78 degrees is hot we think 78 degrees is hot and we think 65 is cold y'all are whack shit this, this is that's la shit that is la bullshit that's what that is that's la bullshit i remember sitting in texas heat it's like over 100 degrees we're playing outside one girl got heat stroke one time like that's what my childhood was it was something but yes i related to that where it's like so hot and you're sticky and you can't do anything about it. I did that in like Girl Scouts camp and stuff where it's like, so we're in the cabin, there's no air conditioning. It's hundred plus degrees outside and you want to go to sleep, but you can't because everything just sticks to you. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But yeah, you know, so the, the vacation's not off to a good side, right? We have a lot of things. We have a couple of, you know, awkward conversations between them. And then we have them going to bed. And of course, Alex finds a way to be himself. And he ends up taking the, the bed on the side, the little pull-out chair Being bed. Being a gentleman he is, he takes the bed because he, he takes this like couch because he wants Poppy. But like him waking up in the morning and like- his- not, not even in the morning. It's like in the middle of the night almost. No, it's, it's like, like 4 a.m. He wakes up. Yeah, to wake yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like middle of the night to me. I go to sleep, sleep okay. like at 2 a.m. That's but like, like 2 hours. They go to bed at like 10 p.m. So it's like morning yeah. or it's early morning for him because he's getting up to go on a run. Yeah. So he and- starts off his day and he's like moping around, like getting around, <laughs> pulls his back and then is like saying shit, shit. And Poppy thinking there's a stranger in the, like a robber in the room. And she's like, I'm going to call 911. And, and he's so like, what? what? It was like, what the fuck are you talking about? 
oh my gosh and then you like see him like struggling he's like no I'm fine it's just it gets like this and you start seeing like the first signs of them being like oh you know I've missed this has been going on for so long and I don't know about it because I haven't been talking to him right and the fact that it happened after Tuscany like it happened after they started like I was thinking about that I was like okay so his health started deteriorating after he stopped talking with Poppy yeah it's kind of it's kind of sus it's kind of sus right yeah and we have poppy like kicking in and just like okay how can i help you what can i do and i gotta say like i'm that type of person too it's like as soon as i like see something i'm like i'm up i'm uh, what do you need what i got you and i'm also that type of person it's just like no it's okay leave me alone i'm literally both of them i love the parallel of him taking care of her when when they were gonna go to normandy but she got sick in new york and then her taking care of him I think that's such parallel in the fact that like, but I also think it's, it's, it's different how like Poppy accepted his help when he came and she's like, when he finally like came to her apartment and he was like, I'm going to help you. And she's like, okay. And then you see her like crying, like, do I take a shower? I'm sorry. I peed the bed. And we have that whole scene, but then we see like him and he's like, no, I'm fine. And he's like pushing, like, I'm okay. Where Alex is this very independent person. And he, he wants to be the caretaker of Poppy and Poppy's like, no, you're going to get in that bed. You're going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to go do this for you. Let me do this for you. And I just think that's so cute that she was like, let me take care of you. And yeah. I love the taking care of the other person trope. The it, sick. And we got it twice. And we got it twice. twice. Like Emily Henry really hit all the one bedroom, the one bed trope, the sick trope, the it's, if you think about it, it's, it's not enemies to lovers, but it falls but it under, has. But it it has falls under that like thing of like, they're not really friends, but they're still kind of friends. They're like strangers to lovers again, but they're not really strangers. It's like friends to strangers Strange. to lovers again. Like estranged, estranged friends. Yeah, estranged. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we have that cute scene of them taking care of each other. And like that feeling of like him not being useful was like, that was so him, right? Mm-hmm. um and then we move on and we get like a, another flashback chapter which I love I love going back and seeing how their friendship has progressed and I feel like those chapters were like perfectly timed in yeah. these pieces that we needed that development in because the they played into what was happening so like yeah. you played into like her taking care of him and him taking care of her I will say I didn't really enjoy the one I thought it was funny like her them in Canada and um her going with the guy and like them almost hooking up but then she leaves and goes back to the tent and sleeps in the tent with Alex I was okay with that story it wasn't my favorite flashback um I was just kind of like okay but I thought it was funny because the book is people we meet on vacation and then later shows up at the end I think that person though I think that was like their first um moment of like us seeing they're kind of dynamic yeah with people yeah so it was good but was good. like this the, the the next one that happens like after the back spasm is the one with like julian where we start seeing like other lovers or other boyfriends yeah. or relationships through and like julian was like whatever to me like girl that's not it's not it it's but, not alex but one part that really stuck out to me was like on page like um i know which part you're talking about it's like on page 145 where he says 
um, she's describing kind of like how they look at each other. And she mentioned how like, she says like he, um, she's talking about, um, I kind of want to- They're talking about, um, They're talking about their own, their uh, other past relationships, right? About them being married and things like this, right? And then she goes on to say, like, I don't even know if I want to get married. I think I'm about to start my period or something. Mm -hmm. And then he stares down at me, his face inscrutable for another beat. It doesn't make me feel x-rayed like Julian's eyes. It makes me feel seen. And I was just like, okay. This point is so important because the way that Julian made her feel when he would look at her was like, Julian didn't really care about her. He didn't, and you see that in like the way that they described the relationship with Julian. Like he was just. It was, it was a fling is what yeah. Julian treated it as. And, uh, and Poppy was more into him. It's that classic, I was into him more than he was into me, where Julian expected like a fling kind of thing. And um poppy wanted more of like a stable relationship and the fact that alex gets kind of mad at julian mm. 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 i love the way that alex like def like is ready to throw like i don't think he would throw hands but i just feel like oh in his i think mind, alex he throws okay. he threw he words he throw words he would he rather would. than throwing hands he's not the type to like do like a full outburst right but like i feel like in his mind he's beating up any guy who ever wronged poppy like in that flashback when they're talking about high school right and you know her bullies and everything and then he's just like oh your your students would probably bully me too and he says like he says i fucking waste them anyone who i'd fucking waste anyone who ever messes with you any guy who ever messes and i was like yeah alex yeah. literally is the dream like let's be honest alex is the dream because he he puts in the effort and like you can tell through the all the little things that like he um he really cares he, for her he literally hits like all of the love languages everywhere and yeah. it's damn everywhere um okay so we're, I'm, I'm trying to speed through this book right um and then when she asks when alex asks her if she's gonna break up with julian like come on you can't be seriously staying with this guy and she's like i don't know maybe and but she knows that she wants to say yes and it's like girl well she wants she wants to say yes but she's like she it's that thing where it's like do i say what 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 happens if I say yes is he gonna is he gonna push me to say yes it's that like it's I I I'm you're asking me this and I want you to push me because I want you I want you to tell me you want me kind yeah. of thing where it's like I, I need she's she's kind of desperate in the sense that she needs somebody and she kind of goes through these relationships not not like saying she's too desperate but like she wants that connection with somebody and so she keeps looking for it and she has Alex and she wants Alex to tell her that he wants her, but he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so she tries to find it with other people. So. And it's not there. And she realizes, 
it usually comes back to every summer when they end up going together and she's dating somewhere else that she realizes that whoever she was dating was not it. She's literally- and she forgets about them when they're on vacation because literally on vacation with when they're on vacation together, it's just them two. And Alex forgets about other people too. Like when he mentions that, like they mentioned that where like Alex forgets about Sarah when they go on vacation. They were, they don't worry about anyone, right? Yeah. They don't worry about anybody else and they just let it go yeah and so then we kind of move forward and we kind of get a little bit more of like their trip right and then we have the night where they decide to watch a movie and she opens up the computer and he sees the web pages of the fact that he's looking for jobs in new york and it's not even like a full like it's been like a day that they've been on vacation together and he's already thinking about moving to new york my question i want to know like how long has he been thinking about moving to new york was he gonna move to new york and surprise her when he was there and be like hey i'm here now like was he like i wanted to know like what he would do that would have been a cool like insight to see from his perspective like how long he was looking for jobs in new york yeah gosh and then like then we start going into like the tinder profile okay that was that was kind of hot that was so hot where he was looking she's like looking she's like oh okay yeah you don't want her you don't want her and he's like well let me see your profile let me see if i'd swipe right on you and she shows him and he's like of course i would and she's just like internally screaming <laughs> you know the Do- doja doja uh doja cat the scream and the screen yes, literally that's literally it. that's what it is it that, let me mark that down for a tiktok later doja cat scream tinder yeah <laughs> tinder profile are you stealing my ideas <laughs> <laughs> you better be inspired by you better tag me in the inspiration <laughs> oh my gosh but that was like literally perfect and then that's like something that you would do for somebody you care about but it's always kind of like that thing of like the I'm helping you find somebody else, but I'm really looking for you, you know? And like the fact that he's starting to say these things, it's like he's starting, cause like before in all the flashbacks, he doesn't say those things. He always stops himself, right? But you see in like the present day that he does say those things. He does say something. And then he's like waiting for her. And we see this a couple of times where he's like waiting to see what she will say to take them into that that next conversation it's becoming more and it, yeah and then he she just turns away and then for him that's like okay she's not ready moving on right and oh gosh that scene was just like the most mm, my goodness my goodness right mm-hmm. and it's just you know something and then like later on when like the way that they have this connection is not just like on the physical part of them. It's just that they, their souls kind of like mesh well. They're completely different, right? But then their souls mesh well so perfectly that they understand each other on like a deeper level. Like uh, later on when um, he shows her his story and he's like showing it to for the first time about the boy with the broken wings and then people keep telling that he'll fly but then they stop after he has broken wings and he feels happy after that because he doesn't have to live up to this pressure of being something else and she's reading this story and she starts crying and he's just like 
kind of confused on it. And then she says like, oh, it spoke to me. And that's like their running joke, right? It spoke and to he me. he doesn't react. He kind of just like, like, oh, oh. Yeah. And it's like, and that's why I want to know what was going on in his head. Like, did he think, oh, I remember those moments. Like, does he well, think- Well, he of, says he remembers everything though. Well, yeah, later on, but I want to know what he was thinking during those exact moments when she said something about the past and then brought it up. But like, okay, the story, like, you know, about nothing, no art piece ever speaks to her, no nothing, but his story, the fact that he wrote it. And you know, as a writer, the things that you write usually mirror something that you are also dealing with, battling with. It could be a small thing that you overcome that you turn into this grand story, right? And it was something so true to him and so true to her that it like she understood it perfectly and it just goes to show that yeah they're different right but they're both lonely yeah that's so pretty that story mm. i just and then like uh... alex is a dream man Alex is the dream man. Um, but we kind of move forward. Um, I kind of want to just talk about, we see the trip to, not to Tuscany, to, um, where did they go with their significant others? They went with- um, The group vacation? The group vacation was so awkward to read about and like to see the interactions between Sarah and- poppy and this is where i kind of wanted to bring back what i was going to say earlier is like i kind of feel for sarah like the guy you're dating has this girl best friend where they go on vacations alone together they have been friends for forever and you can you know they like you know at least one of at least she likes him like like we've seen this all the time where it's like that girl best friend trend on like tiktok where it's like i'm the girl best friend and you realize like, oh, I've been holding him. Like most of them are like the platonic girl best friends, but it's kind of like that where Sarah even mentions it later. It's like, y'all, you both should have realized sooner. It would have like saved other people. And I, in that trip, when we see that she thinks she's pregnant. When she thinks that she's pregnant. And then. Oh, and like. Then the way that he like immediately like he's in that bubble with her his like okay yeah you know we're, we're, we don't condone emotional cheating but i think he did though emotionally cheat he, he mostly did, cheated he so did, they both right, did so on sarah they both did in every single relationship that they were in they were emotionally cheating they went into those relationships even though most of their heart belonged to someone else like and it I wasn't think that's why I'm glad him and he never proposed to Sarah because he was gonna propose to her. And I have stuff to say about that one too. Okay, but, but this pregnancy thing, like as soon as he realized he saw what was in her hand, I I I swear to you, in his head, he's just like Poppy, Poppy. he's it. This is I need he's lost her for her. That's I want. And he knew for sure that Guillermo, like, whoever, who was it that she was with? Um, I don't even remember. What was his name? 
What was his was name? something with a T? It it was uh, I don't even remember any of these guys. Um, Trey. Trey. The photographer. Yeah. You know, and like you know, and he knew Trey wouldn't be there for her. He knew knew Trey wouldn't be there for her because like, if you saw the conversation before when they were like Sarah and Trey like immediately teamed up and started like going in on Poppy. Yeah. Not heavy, but. It was just kind of like that, like, why do you need to do that? Yeah. And it it was kind of like in a way where like, you know, Alex was like, wanted to jump in and defend Poppy, but he also was just like, I can't do that. Her man is right there. Yeah. You know, and the PDA thing, I bet you it killed him. That's probably why he doesn't is because it kills him to see it with her that he's like, I don't want that for her. Yeah. And, you know, like, he doesn't want to do it with other people because they're not her. Yeah. I mean, he still has, like, you know, I, I still want to be respectful around other people, and that's how he is. But still. And then, like, you see how that conversation went, and then you immediately know that Trey's not going to be there for her. So he's just like, we'll make it work. We'll do something. I'll be here for you no matter what. And it's just like, and then she's the one that brings up the reality. You're dating someone else. How is that going to work? And he, I bet you that thought did not even cross his mind about Sarah. Well, that's the thing is he didn't think about Sarah. And the fact that he got a vasectomy after that trip where he was like, I don't want to get anybody pregnant because of what happened. Because if you think about it, he's like, I don't want to get Sarah or anybody else I'm dating pregnant because I don't want to do that to Poppy. I don't want that to ruin my chances of being with Poppy. If you think about it, that's what he was thinking about because he realized when Poppy got, if Poppy was pregnant with another man's son, you you know full well, Alex would have taken, Alex would have been there, but it wouldn't Poppy, have been his. It, it wouldn't have been, been his. Guy. And he's still, and there's still like, yes, you can still love a child and yeah, stuff, yeah. but it's still, there's still that thing where it's like your first child and Alex wants that with her. And he's like, I don't want to have that in with anybody else unless it's and, Poppy. And even further than that, the other guy would always be between them. Even yeah. if they ended up getting together at, later on in life and she had a kid with somebody else, that other man would be in between them. And, and I think it's important. Anyone. I think it's important for, I think Poppy, when she was like, well, what are you, what am I going to do? I'm going to move away from New York, move to Ohio and live next to you and Sarah. Like, that's the reality of it. When he was saying like, I'll take care of you and stuff. And she's like, what are you going to take care of me? How you have a girlfriend and I'm not just going to like, like kind of like leech onto you and your yeah. girlfriend. Like, and that's how she's that's how she's always felt she's always felt like he was always taking care of her and she always felt like she didn't deserve to come in and and demand for him to be with her because of everything that he always did for her like she couldn't do that to him and this would even be this is like an extreme version of that but she always has that feeling of I can't take away from his life yeah you know and that's what stops her from moving forward and the fact that he he you know right then is when they realize this relationship is as close to crossing boundaries as it it can ever get yeah we we both have other people yeah and I think and like the fact that Sarah didn't know he got a vasectomy and okay and then like 
Then when the tests come negative and he starts crying, I I had to stop for a second because I was like, you know, this fool, this fool. <laughs> but yeah, you know, but yeah, but it it wasn't that. It was more of just like that's where he actually realized that fear because if you look at his dad, his dad was so in love with his wife, so in love with Alex's mom that when she was gone, he could not survive without her. He did not know how to go on without her. Alex knows what that type of gut-wrenching love can do if the other person is gone. And the fact that his mother died through com- birth complications. And that's he didn't want brother, that to happen to Poppy. He did and- not want that to run through Poppy. And he, he already knew, he already knew that he loved Poppy as much as his dad loved his mom. And he knew that if he were to lose her like that, if he were to lose her period, if he were to lose her period, he wouldn't know how to survive. And it's I almost just spoiled a book. I almost just spoiled a book, but I kept it in. Grace, congratulate me. I almost just spoiled a book. I was literally about to say it. And then I went, nope. Okay. I went, nope. I, I, X marked it out but thank, thank I, you for that um but yeah you know and it, it's that moment that they realize like you know they both different have, have different turning points right but that one was like it for him and he and you know they they go back to this summer later on of saying like things changed after that you know they were a little more distant they didn't talk so much broke up with Sarah and everything right and then later on you mentioned how like oh you're so glad that he didn't propose to her yeah. When he mentioned the ring, that it was like this yellow vintage ring. Something. I definitely thought about Poppy. I thought that's the perfect ring for Poppy. That's what I was he, thinking too. He did. He saw that ring and he's just like, wow, that would be a, an amazing engagement ring. For Poppy. But his mind, what his mind did not say was for Poppy. Poppy. It was the perfect engagement ring, not for Sarah. For Poppy. Poppy. And like, I when I read that, I was like, it's like this antique ring. She loves like antique clothing. And I'm like, he subconsciously knew. He subconsciously was preparing to marry Poppy. He got a vasectomy so he wouldn't get any other anybody else pregnant. He bought a I ring. Mean, yeah. And like, first of all, the vasectomy is kind of, you know. It's kind of hot yeah it's, it's kind, kind of, of hot where he's like when when they're when she was like we don't have a condom he's like i got a vasectomy and she was like what and he's like yeah after you almost got pregnant i got a vasectomy and she's just like I, I found that so hot where it's like he knew how much he loved her and that he didn't want to have children with anybody else unless it was her and like you know you could be like you know this is a fan this is a fantasy this is a fiction book right yeah and you could easily be like well he could have just not had sex with anybody but it's like like, he was in denial denial about you know those feelings and coming to cross that bridge yeah so it was and it was so in character with him going like the ultimate extreme you know yeah and it's like and I just, I, it, it was really hot where I was just like, oh, so like their first time they didn't 
have any protection or any like, I guess she was on birth control and he was he had a vasectomy so you can always have the most protection but it was just kind of like hot where it's like he it's that like okay it's this is gonna sound so wrong it's gonna sound so wrong when I'm gonna say this but he was saving himself for her like I know it sounds wrong but like what I mean is like he was saving like his ability to have children and waiting for poppy because that's why he did it he was saving his future for her yeah that's a better way to say it because i didn't want to like say like he was saving his juices for her i got you you. um but you know uh really quickly i kind of want to touch into um their vacation to louisiana oh yes and they're dancing right and you know alex is not like pda and dancing in the middle of the street the the fact that he was holding her hand holding her hand holding her clothes they felt it there they felt it that's when she said like it was in louisiana that she was like i'm in love with you in love with him and then there's this like part that she starts talking and um shit i can't find it oh it's right here they're dancing to brown eyed girl right 212 sorry i was almost there (laughs) there and it goes i'll just read this little excerpt it goes in the magic of the city and its music and smells and glimmering lights i felt something i'd never felt with him before scarier than that i'd known from the way alex looked into my eyes smoothed his hand down my arm eased his cheek against mine that he felt it too but now dancing to brown eyed girl the heat has gone out of his touch and i'm happy because i never want to lose this i would rather have one tiny sliver of him forever than have all of him for just one a moment and know i'd have to relinquish all of it when we were through i could never lose alex i couldn't and so this is good this is peaceful spark this peaceful sparkless dance this sparkless trip and this is after the whole pregnancy scare right no it's before it's six years ago oh, it pregnancy is? scare was i thought like four years oh right, right, right this is um this is after that other trip where they this is remembering the new orleans trip when they were dancing and this yeah. is in veil this yeah. trip was in veil yeah and this is after like you know sarah had like they they had almost crossed the boundary again right this that little part where she's just like i was afraid to like you know we knew that it was there but they she knew that if she took a piece of him and they had a relationship and it ended and it ended it's it's that they would not be able to go back to being it would have been the it would have been the right person the wrong moment trope literally because the fact that they they, waited is better because it's literally that feeling of like you know that you're perfect for somebody but it's figuring out if you're perfect as friends or if you're perfect as lovers and if you once you cross into lovers you can't go back to being perfect as friends the same way and she knew that if they went there it would never be the same if they didn't make it and that fear is always like we keep going back to it it's that fear that stops them yeah it's it's that classic friends to lovers where it's like that fear of like 
if I take this all now, will I have any left later? It's that like, it's that survival thing. It's like, I'm not going to take the whole pie now and not have any save some for later. I'm going to take a little bit here, a little bit there and make it last forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really quickly, can we talk about like, uh, you know, we, we talked about like them taking care of each other. Yeah. The sprained ankle on the mountain. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, that was so cute. Crying. Can I, I'm gonna share a quick story. So gosh, I hate that. It's always with my ex. Um, is it this ex? Yes, it is. <laughs> He's the only one I have so many stories well, with. Well, I'm gonna banish him. I'm gonna banish any stories from him. Once we hit the <laughs> one year mark on the podcast, never talk about him again. No. <laughs> it's because there's so many good stories in there. It's it's like 10 relationships in one. Okay. That's true. That's true. So um, my ex and I, we were trying the whole let's be friends thing. And we did do pretty well. And one day he was joking around with me as I was leaving work and he picks me up. And remember, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a thicker girl. So you can imagine this dude is also very big and very strong. He lifts me up, throws me over his shoulder, right? And I'm giggling and laughing and a couple of coworkers are there laughing. And it's so cute, right? First of all, I'm amazed that he could pick me up because, you know, <clears throat> that's, that's kind of sexy. And then he puts me down, but my dumb ass does not prepare my feet for the landing. And so when he puts me down, I roll my right ankle and sprain it hard. Like I thought I heard a crack. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm grabbing onto him. And he just like, he's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he realizes I'm in pain. And then I'm sitting down and I'm crying. I'm like bawling my eyes out. And then he like immediately jumps into like protect protective mode. And he's just like, okay, I need ice. I need this. And, and he starts taking care of me. And he's just like, it's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. Like, I know it hurts. And I'm just, and I'm crying. Cause you know, tears can't stop once they're going. And I start laughing. Cause like she went into hysterics too. And it was so funny. Cause I'm just like, oh, I've been there. And I start laughing and I end up calling my mom to come pick me up to take me to the hospital. And as she's coming, he's just like, I'm so sorry. And he's just like, it's okay. And he's just looking at me with these eyes that shows me that he's really so sorry about it. And <laughs> Maggie's gonna get mad at me for this. Um, he carries me, lifts me up and carries me and puts me in the car and then like straps me in, like he takes the seatbelt and he buckles me in. And my mom like walks around to go to the driver's seat. And while she's walking around, he like leans in and he kissed me. He's like, I'm so sorry, baby. I'm so sorry. I'm just like, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll be fine. And whatever. And, and I'll end it right there. That story right there. For our audio listeners, I'm making a disgusting <laughs> It was a cute story. You can't deny that it wasn't a cute story. If it was someone else, you'd be like, yeah, that was cute. Come on. Yeah, but it's not with anybody else. It's it's with him, so I know it's gross. He, he did have cute moments. You can't knock the guy for not having those moments. They were just far and few in between. So when he, when Alex carries her and he's just like, look, I'm going to carry you down. This is what we're going to do. 
And she's like, okay. And he carries her down the mountain. And you know what movie ran through my head? Holes. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because it's the part where, you know, he's carrying uh, Zero up the mountain Uh, to the water. That's true. No, come on. It was kind of funny. But more romantic, obviously. But that was like a really cute moment that I knew I had to like put in there. Uh, moving forward, we see how also they, they meet each other's families, right? Okay. <laughs> when her mother gives her a box of condoms. Oh my gosh. I the secondhand embarrassment <laughs> I felt. I'm just like, because of course, what parent would think that two kids going on vacation alone together? To a and guy this girl. wasn't the first time. It was not the first yeah. time. And like, what what parent would be like? Oh, they're not having sex. Yeah, that's not the fact that she she gave them them like a big box of condoms too, and and Poppy's just like oh my god mom no and then she like makes fun of it in front of alex but like this secondhand embarrassment i got for him oh my gosh alex died right there and his body just died of embarrassment like he and i like how we're treating it like he's a real person i know because like alex was like literally like he's terrified like uncomfortable around her dad right he doesn't know how to be and with that, he was like, <sighs> he's like, shit, fuck, I don't know what to do. Like, oh my gosh, that was just so funny. I love the interactions with the family because, like, you see, like, your family really can tell who is meant for you and who's not. Yeah. Like, that's my number one thing. I always bring potential, like, if he's, meet met my criteria for a potential person that I'm dating he has to come around my brother and my family and my mom like my mom can like you know that sound of like you know like snake snake that sound that TikTok sound my mom can spot a snake mile away she definitely told me about that one ex and the one before that she she got it but you know and your parents can always see who is really there yeah my mom with my like most my ex one of my exes they're like yeah we knew it wasn't gonna last and we she literally should have told me she's like you're too ambitious compared to him yeah she was like you have more ambition than he does and it wouldn't have lasted yeah and the fact that both of their families knew that these they the other person was going to be around for the long run like betty his grandmother when she brought over um she brought over i think guillermo mm-hmm. home right for like yeah. uh, the dad's well, she brought i thought she brought trey home she i think she brought guillermo because he had like oh because he was the chef yeah and it yeah. was kind of awkward and stuff. Yeah. And the fir- first of all, the way he saw her family, it, he did not pass the vibe check. Yeah, no. He, he did not pass the vibe check. And the way that Betty was just like, oh, do you love him? And she was just like, yeah, yeah, I do. And then she's just like, oh, okay. And then she straight up says, 
do you love love him like you love Alex and she's like I would I can't ever love anybody like I love Alex and that's how you know and I think that's why he would have never ended up even if like they never told each other that's why I think they would have ended up both alone is because he would have like Alex would have thought about that too where he would have never felt that way for Sarah but also Alex was looking for that looking for a stable life and i think that's why alex maybe he he wouldn't fully connect with sarah but he was willing to suffer settle. He, he was, was willing, he's willing to settle that's a good settled. way to say it. he settled big time for that and i bet you if betty had stuck around a little bit longer she would have been she would have whooped that boy she, she would have the fuck are you doing with sarah she would have gotten so mad at him but yeah all right moving forward um (laughs) them finally they come back they come so so poppy plans this day she wants she she needs this vacation to go back to like back to being perfect so like they go to the zoo everything gets everything goes wrong directions go wrong the zoo goes wrong Alex gets like really hot and they make it back to the pool and they're going to go swimming. Pool's empty. A kid pooped in the pool. They're like, fuck this. And they go to the room. It's so hot. The AC is broken and they're getting frustrated with each other. So frustrated with each other. And so Poppy takes scissors and goes to the, um, she goes at at the plastic tarp around the balcony and stuff. And she's like getting mad and stuff. And then, they hear the rain and they go out into the rain and it's raining and they're laughing at each other and they meet each other's eyes and then it's a flashback to Tusk. To the time where she gets sick and he's taking care of her. That's the flashback? Yeah. I thought yeah. it was the Tuscany. Mm-mm. No, it wasn't. It was that flashback. Yeah. It was the flashback of him leaving and not, he did not go to an all expense trip. Yeah. He took half the leg of the plane to go to her. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they're cuddling. And that's the first time that they get like physical reactions of each other. And when they're cuddling in bed, and then like she pulls him close and then he grabs her leg and puts it over him. And he's just like holding her leg, her thigh. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa whoa and that's why and he's like oh are you comfortable yeah and i'm like if y'all did not and that's why that's another scene that i wanted in his pov because i'm like i need to know what he's thinking yeah and because she was thinking like if i wasn't sick right now i'd jump his bones yeah and later on we find out that he said the same thing yeah so kind of to go back to we we get there we've kind of talked about her being sick and stuff and that whole thing but in when they finally so it's chapter 26 it starts on page 253 and so they kind of like are looking at each other and they finally kiss and stuff and you know they're getting to the deed and stuff and i just have to point out a couple things that alex says okay because man so two page 256 near the bottom alex i plead nodding my hands into his hair stop making me wait for you stop being impatient he teases i've waited 12 years 
I want this to last. A shiver ran down my spine. I arch into him. Finally, he crawls up the length of me, hairs tangling into my hair, roaming over my skin, and he slowly pushes into me. We find our rhythm together, and it feels so good, so electric. It's so right that I can't believe all the time we wasted not doing this. Twelve years of subpar lovemaking when all along this is how it's supposed to be. God, how are you so good at this, I say. His laugh grates against my ears, and he kisses behind it. Because I know you, he says tenderly. And I remember what you sound like when you like something. <gasps> oh my god! Oh my god! <gasps> I can't. You know, I love a good dirty talker. But Alex is this sweet. Are you writing down this scene? <laughs> to make a TikTok about it? Yep. <laughs> Better give me inspiration credit. <laughs> because this scene because and like you know this is a contemporary romance so it's not super super heavy on the spice but like we said earlier in the podcast it's like it's a relational book so it's like the whole build-up of them it's the feeling of them actually being there it's not like the actual deed but yeah. it's just like that here we are Mm-hmm. it's all been all of this and you know what kind of feeling I get from this especially with the rain and everything the notebook never said that's exactly what I think about the kissing in the rain I've waited for you I wrote you every day for a year it's not over it still isn't over that whole montage is literally that of them talking and like getting through that and like the rain and everything right I've waited for this for so long. I've wanted you for all of this and all the things that he starts saying, you know, and then the way that she just says, I love you. And he straight up says like, I love you. And. (sighs) Okay. And we, we see like, oh, and then they go to like the next morning, they kind of like wake up and they're like, oh, okay. And well, actually it's that night where after they're like done, um, the maintenance the owner comes and he's like well i'm sorry i'm gonna refund you for your whole trip and so they go to a hotel room and they go to the hotel and they get two beds now and we kind of see where poppy's like do i do i go lay with him or do i lay by myself and she kind of makes that decision where she goes and lays down by herself and it's kind of at that point where i was like oh she still hasn't fully chosen him yet. And that's when I was like, so she's still scared. And so they're they're not going to fully commit together. It's too early for them not to have some mm-hmm. tension. Yeah. And then we see the next day they go to the wedding celebrations. And we see her interacting with his family and his brothers. And I love that she is, like, so friendly with her, his brothers and, like, they get along as well. I mean, I so known the family for, like, 12 years. Yeah. And I think that's so cute. That, yeah. like, their wedding and stuff and that, like, but, like, I also kind of, when she kind of stands up to his dad. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're jumping a little too far. Oh. Far. I, I want to go into the bachelor party oh. because... David, you messy. David, messy. messy, messy. Why the hell would you tell clearly 
when Poppy and your brother are starting to date, yes, I'm talking like I'm talking to David right now and scolding him. You clearly see that they're holding hands. You clearly see that there's something there, right? And you even ask, right? And then you go ahead and bring up his ex-girlfriend and the fact that he was going to propose to her. Yeah, that was a little messy. I was just like, and, and that freaks Poppy out because that- that I think was also the catalyst, like her, like choosing, like not to sleep in the bed where she was just kind of still like having doubts. That was the ultimate thing where she was like, I'm not what he wants. I'm like, not everything that, and she loves him so much. It's like that thing of like, you love somebody so much, you'll let them go and have everything that they want. Because she like, she realized she was like, I've been holding him back it's kind of the thing where when you're like the girl best friend and you realize like you've been holding your best friend back from being happy and like of course we know that he wasn't happy and that that he never really was happy with sarah but that thought that that, it, that thought process it, what doubts it was puts all the doubt in her mind where she's just like i'm not what he i'm not what he wanted really mm -hmm. and i've come between this one thing that he's wanted the most is a family a marriage and I can't give that to him because let's be honest, Poppy isn't this like a suburb person who is gonna be like Sarah. She's not Sarah. She's quite literally the opposite. And that makes her doubt and that leaves, and that David saying that was such a shitty thing. And I honestly think she should have talked about that. She should have told like Alex, like, this is the reason why, because David did mention it. Like, I honestly would have thrown David under the bus a little. Like, he mentioned it to me. So, of course, I'm going to think about it. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, it's not like David like, intentionally threw a wrench into it. Yeah. Like, he was just speaking about concern for his brother. He didn't do it to, like, be messy. He was actually, like, he was talking to someone who also cares about his brother deeply and who has known him a long time, you know? And so it wasn't like he was doing it intentionally, but it did happen. And then they end up having this whole argument about it, right? And it's just, it just goes to shit. And then you hear them <sighs> arguing and- But I, I feel for Alex in this situation where he's putting himself out on the line and Poppy isn't ready yet. And this is such a common thing where like Poppy wasn't ready to fully commit to him yet. Like, yes, she loved him unconditionally, but she was not happy enough in her own life with what she was doing to be fully happy with him. And it would be unfair to him if she just went into the relationship and yeah. kind of used him as like that napkin of like wiping away all the dirt and stuff in her life and he he talks about that and I think that's very important he goes into like this whole like thing because page. she's just yeah page 301 and she's just like why did she break up with you why did Sarah break up with you and then like he goes on to this whole thing and he's like she broke I'm kind of skimming through it but she broke up with me before we went to Sambiel and then all he could think was that first glimpse of them meeting at that bar was that trip Senebiel and he's like I'm hoping that for uh, that Poppy doesn't think I'm boring too and he just started worrying and 
he realized that nothing matters when he's with her, with Poppy. And that if Sarah and him got back together, things would have been so much different, so much better. But it wasn't because she didn't want to go to Destiny on that couple's trip. And she had to go, but she he thought like if they can be friends then it'll be fine and that's not what it happened and then the whole pregnancy scare thing and he literally goes then you thought you were pregnant and it scared me so much i got a fucking vasectomy and it didn't even occur to me to ask sarah what she thought like we talked about this right and then we go into the engagement ring a yellow gold art deco thing with a pearl and he knew that he was buying it for Poppy, like we said, right? And we have this whole thing of him talking. And then he says, I scared myself so much that I couldn't tell you what happened. It was terrifying to realize how much I love you. And then you and Trey broke up and God, Poppy, of course, all of it was because of you. Everything is because of you, everything. It's not something you've done to, with, to me. I kept hoping things would change for me, but they never have. And I doubted myself for a long time before I ended things because I did love her. I wanted to make it work because she was amazing. We were good together and we want all the same things. And I love her and the way it feels so easy, clear, understanding and manageable, right? It, and it's kind of that thing of like, choose, it's not you choosing a person when they were talking about The Bachelor. It's not you just choosing a person. It's you choosing a life, a path. If he stuck with Sarah, his life would be very mundane and very stagnant. He would get married, live in that town, and that would be it, right? He would have no life, no passion in his life, no, nothing to really sustain him. He would be unhappy. And if he chose Poppy, it was unsure, and he didn't know where it was going, but he knew that he loved her through everything, and, through, and he loved her, all, all of her everything about her all her flaws everything that made her her all the things he didn't like about her he loved her in everything and that was like his whole talk about that was like so beautiful to me because yeah you wouldn't want to hear somebody confessing their love to you while also mentioning that they love somebody else but that's the reality you don't just love one person and then that's it yeah it's a different type of love for the different type of people. And yeah. you, you're deciding on how you want your life to go forward. And he, I, and like, he has been scared his whole, the whole relationship with Poppy that like, and I think, I think it comes, goes down to like him never having like his mother and stuff to help. Like he never had that reassuring love in his life. Like he was the adult kind of, and I just, I felt for him. Like, I, I really felt for him. Like, yeah, we got this from Poppy's POV. So, and I just, I felt like, I was like, Poppy, you're kind of shitty. Like, you're, like, you still won't choose him. And you are leading him on. So when he finally was like, like, yes, I felt really bad when he was like, I don't think we should be talking for a while. But I was like, good. I was like, good. Because it's, you need that separation for Poppy to realize that I actually do want him. At the airport when they're saying bye? Yeah. Yeah. It was, and it like broke me a little bit. I, I started crying. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I cried a lot during this book. So for our YouTube listeners, we're going to have a special sneak peek at the very end. We're going to show you our um, recording of our FaceTime call for the specific scene that we'll talk about later, but stay tuned, our YouTube listeners. Yeah. Um, 
so this airport scene I cried a lot because it was just like it's that thing of like yes they had this world war romance right and it, on this vacation they finally culminated all of their feelings over these past years but it's like okay now the logistics of the relationship what's gonna happen how do we make this work it's not like we live right down the street from each other it's not like you know everything can just go in it's very different it's very adult and very mature right and we see him he's like I was ready to jump in all the way and you weren't and the scene the line that gets me from him is just like I knew I knew and I, I meant, I knew that I meant it and I'm, and it wasn't just like, um, sheesh, what does he say? I posted a TikTok on this literally, literally like two minutes ago. Sheesh, 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 sheesh where is it? Oh my God. I meant it. I knew I meant it. I w it wasn't an impulse. I knew for years I loved you, Poppy. Oh, okay. Page. It's on page 316 for those of you who want to mark that in. He says, I meant it. I knew I meant it. It wasn't an impulse. I knew for years that I loved you. And I thought about it from every single angle and knew I wanted what I wanted before I ever kissed you. We went two years without talking. And I thought about you every day. And I gave you the space I thought you wanted. And that whole time I asked myself what I'd be willing to do to give up if you decided you wanted to be with me too. I spent the whole time alternating between trying to move on and let you go so you could be happy and looking at job postings and apartments near you just in case. And she's like, I had no idea. Like, no shit, you had no idea. And everything that he says in this scene is just like you putting your heart out there, waiting for somebody to jump in with you it's like you're, it's like when you're a kid and you're like uh, standing on the ledge of a pool and your friend is there with you and like, we're going to jump on the count of three because we both want to, we're both ready. Let's jump on the count of three. And then you jump and you feel their fingers slip from your hand. And you know that they want to go too, but they're too scared to jump. And you'd like turn back looking at them and that sense of betrayal as you're hitting the water and they're still standing on the ledge. That's literally this feeling. Of course, it's very childish, but that's what it feels like to him. He was ready to take the leap forward and she was not. And then they go off for another two weeks, not talking, giving her the space to figure it out. He gave her the space and she went to therapy, um, which I think was very, it's very I interesting. Think I, I think that was good. I think that was interesting where it's like, that's a good healthy decision to make it's like she's recognizing that like i need help i need help sorting this out and so she goes to seek a therapist like a therapist doesn't just have to be for like if you have mental health issues it can be for the everyday person where it's like i need help understanding this situation and i need help analyzing my own feelings and that's what a therapist is for and so i think it's very i liked how this was so normal for her to go to see a therapist and him to see a therapist too. They both went to see therapists. And then the house plant stuff was so cute. Okay. Like this, that whole scene, right? Of her finally deciding. So, so, so she goes, she, she's been in therapy. She's two weeks and she sees her friend from high. She sees, she sees her bully from middle school in New York on a subway and their whole interaction, it clicks with her. Grace kind of talks about this um, 
in our video when um but like it hits her that just because he's living in this Ohio town, that doesn't mean he's not having a fulfilling life. That just because he's not in the high rise of New York, doesn't mean that he doesn't love his life and that he can't have fun. And she realizes that like, yes. It's not, about, it's not really about where you are. It's, it's kind about of like, who you're with. Yeah. And, and she realizes that. Yeah. And she finally decides like, you know, she was holding on to this idea that she had of life. And she realized that doesn't mean anything. And of course it, it, it was kind of like the last little tick on the scale, you know? It was all of these things building up that made her finally realize this is what life is actually about. And, you know, when we finally see what happened in Croatia, you know, we keep talking about that Croatia trip, throughout everything and when we finally figure out that it was them kissing and Alex wanting to take the step forward but not wanting it like this wanting to it to be more and her realizing all of those missed opportunities those second glances those moments where I thought it was something was not what he thought and then all of this is coming together and then just you know what I'm gonna go home and she takes that flight home and that's literally where Maggie was just like, okay, I need you to FaceTime me while you read this scene. She's like, I need you to FaceTime well, me. And like, Kind of to go off that, that when you were talking about like not everything he felt was what I felt. It's on page, there's a similar quote on page 155. It's possible that all those little moments that meant so much to me never meant quite the same to him. And that's like the constant scare that they both have. Um yeah, I think also one of the most important things when she's like going through this like relevationish stuff is she's like, it it hurts to want it all. So many things that coexist within the same life, and she's kind of like thinking about like, oh, you can't really have it all, and stuff like that. Um, and like when she goes back home, and she goes there, and she walks up to the school to walk. She the one place she hates the most. She hated going to school. And a lot of people do hate, 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 hated going to high school. Like high school is like their worst experience. And that's very, like, it's a very common thing to happen. And the fact that she went back there and then saw Sarah. Oh my gosh. Of all, Grace's reaction. Oh, I did not like Sarah at all. But, you know, I also feel for Sarah. But at the same time, I was just not for the plot point that we're trying to get to but it's also sarah called alex boring so i don't know how much how bad i feel for her yeah it's kind of like girl you didn't want him to begin with so back up right yeah. um so then we have the home thing with sarah and then sarah does the right thing and lets him know her know he's probably at the bar and then she goes and then i told maggie like we have it again like that's how the book started with her walking into the bar and, and him reading on him and describing him to a T. And then here we are again at the ending of the book. And here she is just zeroing in him at the bar. And then she walks up to him. And like, I got to say, like that scene played out to me like a movie. Like, you know, the girl walking into the bar, they're looking at each other and I go, hi, hi. And then there's other people there like, oh, who's this? And then he's just like, oh, this is, hi like he 
is not able to comprehend that she's actually there. And her whole discussion is just like I I knew when she was rambling and he wasn't saying anything. And then she she literally, I'm gonna pull it up. And it, it is the it's the quote, Poppy. My name never sounded quite so long or miserable. That's when I knew I was like, fuck. This is not gonna end well. I was like, fuck, this isn't gonna end right. I literally thought in this moment, I was like, they're not gonna end up together. I was like, they're not ending up together. I, I got scared because I was just like, please don't tell me this is one of those books of just like, where you have two people. Like, I did not want them to la la land me of the couple not ending up together and just going off on their own ways and, and being Okay, I, I, I want that sometimes, but this book, I was like, no. And then he no. goes, and then no. there's this paragraph on 351. This was the scene that I wanted that uh, Grace is going to react to, but it's like, his eyes drop, his teeth worrying over his bottom lip. I don't want you to give up anything, he says. I want us to just make sense. And we don't, Poppy. I can't watch it fall apart again. Broke my heart. But you feel for him because it, has, it hasn't just happened once. It's happened twice now where if you think about it, he's been rejected by Poppy. Like, if you really think about it, she kind of rejected him when she brushed it off the first time. And then she's not fully committing to him the second time. And he's like, I can't. And that's a very adult thing. It's like, I can't put myself through that again. And you feel for him. Yeah. And it was just, it was like, it was that moment of just like, you know, trying to, like, it could have gone two ways, right? You know? Yeah. We don't want them to give up each other because we both know, like, we know that they both have things that they want in life and they love each other so much that they cannot see the other person living their life to their fullest potential. And they have not seen a way where it works with the two of them living their best lives together. They love each other so much, but how can both of their different lifestyles mesh well together? And they haven't yet realized that their both of their lifestyles are capable of being together because yeah. but because they haven't been around each other for the past two years they don't know yeah. where the other person is and all of these things yeah. i cried i i know we're gonna see the reaction at the end but so we see this where he's like we can't like no and she's like okay okay and she leaves and she makes it to the parking lot and she starts sobbing and she's running to her car she's trying to run away from him and we hear him calling her name and him running towards her and i wanted to read this i wanted to read this this is page 354 and um it's talking about her she's blinking back her tears and he's standing in front of her and he's like um he looks at me for a long moment, then gives the smallest shake of his head. No, I know if I got a plane with you, I know if I got on a plane with you back to New York, I would be so fucking happy for as long as you'd have me, I'd be happy. Again, that kaleidoscope squirrel of colors blurs my vision. I blink back tears and I want that so badly. I do regret every chance I missed to tell you how I felt. 
all the times I convinced myself I'd lose you if you really knew or that we were too different. I wanted to just be happy with you, but I'm afraid of what comes after. His voice cracks. I'm afraid of realizing of you realizing I bore you or meeting someone else or being unhappy and saying and his voice catches. I'm afraid of loving you for our entire lives and then having to say goodbye. I'm afraid of you dying and the world feeling useless. I'm afraid I won't be able to keep getting out of bed if you're gone. And if we had kids, they'd have the horrible lives with where their amazing mom is gone and their dad can't look at them. I got you, I got you. <laughs> I, can, I can read, I can read, I can read. <laughs> his hand passes over his eyes, catching some of the moisture there. Alex, I whisper. I don't know how to comfort him. I can't take any of the his past pain away or promise it won't happen again. All I can do is tell them truth, as I've seen it as I know it. You already went through that. You lost someone you loved and you kept getting out of bed. You were there for the people in life and you loved them and they loved you back. You got all of that in your life still. None of that went away. It didn't end because you lost one person. I know, he says. I'm just, his voice draws taut. His huge shoulders shrug, scared. Okay, because, like, this is, like, the truest thing ever. Like, this is the most realistic thing I've ever, like, read. Because you can love someone so much. And, like, I think a lot of people realize that, you know, they don't think about mortality like that, you know. They don't think about, like, life being so finite. And, and people who are able to see past that like me I think about that often like every time I meet somebody I think about like what the end of our relationship would look like how would it close off would how would it feel if they passed away or if I passed away how would it like I think about that often and for him to kind of go into that conversation it's just like you could love somebody so much and because he saw his dad go through it he, he loved her so much that he couldn't bear the idea of being with her and losing her, uh, like really losing her and never seeing her ever again. The fact that like that, that he projected what happened with his mom onto her and like shows how insecure he was about like the idea of being with somebody else truly that he loved. He could not see because he didn't have this about Sarah, but it was like Poppy and he was like the person that I've loved the longest, that he literally, if she died, he wouldn't know how he would continue. Like that's some real deep- That's so hard hitting and it's not even that sad. Like it's It's not not even that sad. It's It's not not that sad, but it is sad because it's just like, to have somebody love you so much so much that they see a whole life with you to the point where your life would be ending like it's not just like oh if we break up it's like i am never letting you go until you are taken from me and when you are taken from me i don't know how like yeah we we read about all of these declarations of love and like these couples that will live on for forever and fantasy books and you know 
we get like the happily ever after, but the happily ever after will end. And this is the first time I've read a book where it's just like, that's a reality that I'm going to have to realize and I'm going to have to go through it. And I am terrified to go through it alone. And I don't know if I can allow myself to love you this much. (sighs) But, and like, we see, oh, we're almost done. We're almost done. I got to read. I'm going to read this last, this last chapter. It's the very last chapter. It's not the epilogue right before the epilogue 356. It says his eyes slit open and the flutter in my chest is so strong. It almost hurts. I love him so much. I love him more than I did yesterday. And I already know tomorrow. I'll love him even more because every piece of him he gives is another to fall in love with. And that's like so true. And that's, look, let me drop some knowledge here real quick. Um, a lot of people who, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big marriage person, you know. Um, I definitely want to get married and all of that. And a lot of people who end up thinking like when they think about marriage, it's like, oh, marriages don't last, they'll, they'll break up, they'll get divorced, like it doesn't make sense. And there's couples who have been together for years and years and they haven't been married, but they're still together, whatever, right? The thing about marriage is it's, it's a partnership. You were equally yoked. You were both putting it in. You are both actively learning about each other it's not so much as like oh yeah we're dating we learned everything about each other and that's it and now we're together forever that's not what it is you are actively learning more about each other to the point where love can only go so far you love somebody yes you love them and yes that's why you'll get together and that's why you'll commit to one another another but at a certain point love is not the only thing keeping you together Love is a big foundation of why you're together, but it's not the only thing. It's not what's going to build the house, right? It's your foundation, but it's not going to build the house. And then after that comes friendship. After that comes um, work ethic together. After that comes a partnership that you grow together. Your kids are thrown in there with you. Um, The experiences that you get as you're a married couple those things create bonds that no, like 35 years down the line, it's like, yes, I love this person, but this person is not just somebody I love. This person is my companion. This person is my partner. This person is every bit of me that I could not see myself without. They have become every part of your life. And true marriages that last, that are founded on all of these other things, they fall in love with each other every single day because they're learning so much more about each other. And it's not so much like, oh, last week she liked caramel, um, caramel flavored creamer. This week she likes white chocolate caramel uh, creamer or whatever, or she changed her coffee order or she changed her breakfast order. It's not that. It's yes, those little things, but it's in the way that she gets frustrated, it's in the way that she adapts, it's in the way that she learns how to move forward, it's in the way that she plans ahead or how she doesn't like to clean when she gets tired. It's all of these things that build a foundational relationship and a longstanding marriage that end up being the most successful ones. And Alex and 
Pompey, I feel like, had that ability to continuously learn about each other, to continuously see past each other's flaws, and to know that they have been at a lowest and they're still able to climb out of it because of everything else, not just love. Yeah. And kind of to like finish the book and then we'll wrap it up. Um, we see there's one last quote that I want to say that I think really hits the mark on this book and it's in the epilogue and they're talking about how they're both exploring New York together like tourists and there's a quote at the end of page 357 and it says I didn't know regular life could feel like this like a vacation you don't have to go home from and I think that's very important it's the idea of like that marriage and being with somebody where it doesn't feel like it feels like a vacation, like you're having the time of your lives together. And yeah. it's not some short thing that's, you'll go back to normal. It's your everyday fulfilling life. Yeah. So I, I, I loved this book. I, I, I have been reading a lot of heavy smut romance and this was just such Perfect. a good feel good book. Oh yeah. It's a good refresher. I have a question for you. It's the, one of the questions in the reader's guide. Is it number 10? The last one. Do you think that they'll last? Yeah. You do? What do you think? I think they will. I, I, this is how I think it's going to go. I think that it's going to last for a while. I think they're going to break up. And then I think they're going to get back together. Do you think she'd make a second book? No, it doesn't need one because they will together. But I think that they will have some fights where they separate, but they don't. It's like those kind of breakups where we're broken up, but we're not really broken up. It's that like I need a break. It's it's not a breakup. It's like we need to reconvene. Yeah, and I feel like they'll go through that because they'll they'll. I think they'll forget a little bit, and those previous doubts that they had at the beginning will kind of creep back in but then they'll come back and they'll be way stronger and they'll have a whole bunch of grandbabies and stuff like that I think they'll last after this, a quick this book makes me want to read her other book Be Treat which I have um because I have on audiobook through my library so I think I'm going to read that maybe next week because I have a little bit of contemporary romances that I'm trying to read in July as well so this was like one of them so for sure Okay. I'm definitely gonna read this. So what did you rate this? I I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up my Goodreads. I'm gonna read I like doing this where I read my Goodreads because I once immediately when I finished this, I filled out my Goodreads review for it because I was like, I need to get my thoughts out. And I think I gave this a so I gave this a four out of five. And um oh I don't even have my review. I thought I made a review for this. Maybe it's all my see all my activity for this book. Oh, it didn't even tell me. Oh, well, I oh, give it a four out of five. Kinds of updates on my my Goodreads. So if you follow my Goodreads, you'll see any book that I'm reading. You'll see updates as I'm doing it. You can go back and see all of my reading updates for people we meet on vacation and the feelings. I'll probably make like a highlight story on my Instagram with my reactions for this book, just so people could see it for like a, a, a week and then take it down because nobody needs to see that. Um, so you, four, four out of five. Yeah, 
here i oh i i did it i actually did it in my little like no journal thingy so I have my little thingy that's like a little review journal for books. And so um, I just like my overall review comments. This book was a great, ref great refreshing read. It was a romantic book that read more like a regular fiction book. The imagery was a key point in this book. And I think that the audiobook really accentuated the story and the ability to read this story. And I finished it in like six hours. Um, some of the quotes, I just wanted to highlight four quotes that... Um, really stood out to me. So first one is page 155. And it says, it's possible that all those little moments that meant so much to me never meant quite the same to him. Second quote is from page two, 280. You can love someone and still know that the future you'd have with them wouldn't work for you. Page 285. It hurts to want it all. So many things that coexist within the same life. And then finally, 357, the one quote, I didn't know regular life could feel like this, like a vacation you don't have to go home from. Those are my top four quotes from this book. Um, and it had a lot of good quotes. It really did. And it made me like, it made me want to read Beach Read because I heard Beach Read is really good as well. This book made me want to actually write in my book and annotate it. I literally said you should annotate. I literally was like, annotate that bitch. No, but then like towards the end, I was just like, I was speeding through that. I couldn't stop. That's true. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, really quick. Uh, I rated it a five out of five because one, it made me cry. It made me contemplate life. It made me feel so many things. Um, I won't read the whole review, but I will re read this one little part. Um, it's about finding your home, uh, finding what you're willing to, tr to truly go after. It feels like vacation gone horribly wrong and yet you don't think about how bad you only laugh at every hiccup along the way to realize that you've had the most amazing time of your life, that you loved every moment because those hiccups and moments of frustration were truly you and the other person saw you and still loved you and being with you. So, yeah, there you go um so we're gonna end our podcast here it, this one is a very very long episode we are sorry but you know yeah this is two and a half hours oh what's my god new? what's um, new guys that's um, how you really likes the book that's how you know that's how you know um so again for our podcast listeners uh thank you guys for listening for this long if you want to check out this cute little sneak peek of me crying my eyes out um make sure to head over to youtube and watch this next clip that happens um to be a facetime call between me and maggie during that last um yes at the bar mm -hmm. <clears throat> um special announcements so next week's episode we are going to be talking about neon gods by katie robert and we will be having a special guest i'm not gonna say who it is yet but we, we will, will yes we will we will be having a special book talker friend of ours Ooh. I totally forgot, but yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, so um, I'm just going to give you all a quick update. Um, within the next week, we're going to have Neon Gods. And then the week after, we're hopefully going to talk about Twisted Love by Anna. And we're hopefully going to have her on. So keep a lookout for that. Get reading. And um, any updates that you want to say? 
Yes, I do. Um, we are finalizing our uh, enamel pins that we are going to put up for pre-order, most likely this upcoming week. So uh, I'm just finalizing some color samples that I want to do for our enamel pin. We will post it um, on our Etsy shop for pre-order. Yes. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be setting a pre-order time for about two weeks um, so that we can get people ordering. We'll post everywhere. We'll post photos of it. You'll see it on the Etsy shop. We'll link it. We're going to link it on our personal accounts. We're going to link it on the podcast stuff, but we will have a pre-order. Um, we're going to have a pre-order incentive and we're going to have a pre-order, like the pre-order link. So when you pre-order it, there'll be a special incentive. We're not going to announce it yet. But um, we just wanted to see how many of our listeners and like our personal following want to buy these enamel pins. And so we're gauging that by pre-ordering and see how many people would be interested in the shop and our pins that we're going to be making. But I'm very excited for our first round of pins we're going to have. I am too. I am. I am too. This one came out really, really well. It came to me in a... The idea behind the pin definitely came from Maggie. And then the way that the enamel kind of transformed into like- We have like two pins. We had the one pin and then we transformed it with an, into another pin as well. And that it, other one, it's just, it looks really, really good. I'm really excited for it. Um, if you haven't followed our Instagram, make sure you guys do because that's where we're gonna be doing a lot of polls and updates and uh, little sneak peeks for our enamel pin. So if you wanna see what it looks like before you pre-order it, make sure you look up on there. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so thank you everybody for listening. Um, next week we'll have Neon Gods. So read up on that, read up on Twisted Love. I'll have a link both down below where you can get the get a copy if you want. Um, anything else to add? No, Congratulations, Grace, on hitting your one-year anniversary on Bookstagram. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. This is, it's been my one-year anniversary. It's also been my one-year anniversary on Book Talk. And our one-year our one-year friend anniversary. <laughs> like when you told me that I was like when I scrolled back I literally took forever for me to scroll back to our first like text message and I was like holy shit it's been a year it's been a year we've been friends for a year we've been friends for a year now which to be fair this is a perfect book well I don't know about perfect, but the friend aspect of it and finding your person. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So a lot of anniversaries hit this yes. week. In July. In July. So yeah. So oh, thank yeah. you everybody for listening and we will see you in next week for Neon Gods. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye.